This episode is brought to you by the Italian Wine Academy, teaching WSET levels 1, 2, and 3 in English, right here in Verona, the home of the Italian Wine Podcast. Want to become part of the international wine sector? Need a worldwide recognized certification? Don't know where to start? You can easily complete our courses while you enjoy the fun and excitement of Verona. Make your vacation good value for money by adding a wine certificate to your souvenirs. Visit our website at italianwineacademy.org for more information and sign up today to start your personal adventure in global wine education. Welcome to Jumbo Shrimp Wine Study Maps. We have specially created this free content for all our listeners who are studying for wine exams. This has been a journey of development since Stevie Kim discovered Rosie Baker's hand-drawn maps on Instagram through two years of work by our in-house editorial and graphics team, and now the maps are available to purchase in beta form while they undergo the final proofing and editing by our expert advisory board. It's a three-layered project because we know everyone learns differently. We now offer the complete box set of 39 maps, this series of podcasts with the maps narrated by our crack team of wine educators, and finally, the study guide book, which will be published later this year. Our map project is in no way a substitute for the material set out by other educational organizations, but we hope all the wine students out there will find our map project a new, exciting, and useful tool for learning. For more information and to buy the maps, please visit our website at mamajumboshrimp.com. Studying Chilean wine is interesting because it is such a long country which gets us thinking about how much variation there must be in climate in wines from the north all the way down to the south. That's more than 900 kilometers of area covered. On the map, we can see that vineyard areas stretch all the way from about 30 degrees latitude to 38 degrees latitude. And of course, being in the southern hemisphere, this means that the climate shifts from the hot and dry northerly subzones to the cooler and wetter subzones in the south. But what is interesting about Chile is that there's also tremendous variation in climate and topography from the west coast to the east coast. We see that the subregions of Chile are all organized on an east-west orientation. This is because there are lots of rivers that start in the Andes Mountains in the east and drain out to the Pacific Ocean in the west. So the wine subregions in Chile are essentially river valleys all stacked from the north to the south. We'll talk more about the difference in climate from west to east in a moment. First, let's take a moment to talk about how the vineyard areas are classified in Chile. Here, the vineyard areas are grouped into four main regions, starting with the Coquimbo in the north and down to the southern region. Each region is further divided into subregions, those east-west river valleys that we just talked about. Subregions can be even further divided into zones. This is the Geographical Indication System, or GI system, that Chile uses to indicate where grapes can come from. We can also keep in mind that these designations might not actually be used. Let's move on to climate. For each of the four regions, there are different factors that create a climate for growing grapes. We can generally say that the climate is warm Mediterranean in Chile but there are a few climate factors that provide cooling influences. The first factor is the Pacific Ocean. Off the coast of Chile, the ocean current started its journey in Antarctica and makes its way up the coast of Chile. Therefore, the winds that blow from the ocean are quite cool. The next factor to influence climate is the coastal mountain range. 
This is the range of mountains that runs from the top to the bottom of the country, all along its coastline. These mountains are important for their role to create the climate for each subzone. That is because coastal mountains can effectively block the cool Pacific air. But in some places, there are gaps in the coastal range that allow that cool Pacific air to reach the western edge of subregions. This is similar to the coastal range mountains in California that also have gaps where cool Pacific air can penetrate inland. We'll discuss this a bit more later. The next climatic factor is the Andes mountain range. This range runs the length of Chile's eastern border with Argentina and provides cool air that drains down the mountains to cool the areas that are close to them. So here we have three climate factors, the cool Pacific air, the coastal mountains that can either block the cool air or present gaps in the coastal mountains for air to enter, and the Andes that provide cool air that descends downwards. Let's see how these climate factors come into play for each region in Chile. Let's first look at the Coquimbo region. Here we have gaps in the coastal mountains that allows those cool Pacific winds to penetrate vineyards on the western side of Coquimbo. And the coastal mountains stretch all the way to the Andes range, where there is cool air coming down from those mountains. So there are cooling influences coming from the east, that is the Andes, as well as cooling from the west, the Pacific. If there weren't these cooling influences, the climate would be much warmer, because here in the north, we're so close to the equator. So with these cooling influences, Coquimbo is a source of quality wine production. Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay, and Syrah are the main varieties grown here. The next region of Aconcagua also has important cooling influences. The Pacific air has a big impact on growing conditions here. The coastal mountains are lower near Casablanca and San Antonio valleys, so cool Pacific air can just sneak over them. And there are also gaps in the coastal mountains there that allow plenty more cool air into the vineyard areas. Morning fog and cool afternoon winds are a regular occurrence near the coast. Vineyards on the coastal areas are actually some of Chile's coolest grape-growing areas. As a result of this cool area, white wines are dominant here. Sauvignon Blanc and Chardonnay are made in a cooler, more elegant style. Early ripening Pinot Noir is also found here. Next, we have the Aconcagua Valley. It lies more inland, so only its western edge is affected by the cool Pacific air. The eastern edge of the Aconcagua Valley is cooled by the Andes, and because of this, many growers are planting vineyards higher into the mountains to make more structured and elegant wines. Thank you for listening to Italian Wine Podcast. We know there are many of you listening out there, so we just want to interrupt for a small ask. Italian Wine Podcast is in the running for an award, the best podcast listening platform through the Podcast Awards, the People's Choice. Listener nominations is from July 1st to the 31st, and we would really appreciate your vote. We are hoping our listeners will come through for us. So if you have a second and could do this small thing for us, just head to italianwinepodcast.com from July 1st to the 31st and click the link. We thank you and back to the show. We now can move into the Central Valley region where the east-west orientation of subzones becomes even more significant. Let's look at the geography of the Central Valley. There's a wide gap between the coastal mountains and the Andes. This big gap is basically a flatter valley floor. 
this valley floor can get very warm if there is no gap in the coastal mountains to allow cool Pacific air to enter. And the soil is fertile. So it is very easy to grow and ripen grapes on this warm valley floor. So it makes sense that this is where Chile produces the most wine. The vast amount of inexpensive fruity style reds and whites come from the Central Valley. We see most of Chile's key grape varieties here. Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Carmenere, Syrah, Sauvignon Blanc, and Chardonnay. Staying in the Central Valley, let's now move over to the eastern edge of the valley. Here we are close to the Andes foothills. Of course, vineyards benefit from that cool air that descends from the mountains each night. This makes for very different wines apart from the warm and fertile valley floor. Here, near the Andes, the grapes have cool temperatures at night, so the acidity levels can stay higher. Tannins will also develop more with a bit of this altitude into the foothills, and the fruit will be a bit leaner, making for more elegant styles near the Andes. Now, let's move over to the western edges of the Central Valley. We talked about some places that have gaps in the coastal mountains. Therefore, some of that cool air from the Pacific can reach inland a bit. We can see this happening in the western edge of the Colchagua Valley. But coastal mountains generally block the Maipo Valley and the Cachapoal Valley, so those cooling Pacific winds cannot penetrate inland there. As a result, we will see wine styles here with potentially more fruit character, higher alcohol, and less acidity. So in the Central Valley, we see such variation in the growing conditions within each subzone. For example, a wine from the Colchagua could be elegant with higher acidity, but could also be fruity, more alcoholic, and less structured. This has been a source of frustration for some growers because there was no way for them to communicate to the consumer what style of wine was in the bottle. But in 2012, a new classification system was officially introduced to tackle this issue. With this new system, wines can be labeled with a designation that tells the consumer if the grapes were grown near the Pacific coast, or if they were grown between the mountains, or if they were grown in the east near the Andes. So the terms used are costa for coastal, entre cordillera for between the mountains, and Andes for the Andes in the east. These new labeling terms are optional for producers to use. They can also be used in all four regions of Chile. Moving a bit more south, let's look at the Curico and Mali valleys. These subzones are the sources for high volume, inexpensive fruit for blending. In Maule, the climate also gets a bit cooler and wetter as we move into the south of Chile, so wines will have relatively more acid. This means that grape growing can start to happen without relying on irrigation, and there are pockets of very old dry farmed Carignan, which can produce intense concentrated wines. So let's look at the southern region now. We're moving in the direction of Antarctica, so the climate shifts to become noticeably cooler and also wetter. This shift in climate means that we now see cooler climate grapes such as Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. Aromatic varieties such as Riesling and Gewürztraminer are also grown here with success. Pais is a traditional variety here. It's grown in large amounts for easy drinking styles of wine, but it's also starting to be given attention as a more interesting bottling. There's so much precipitation here in the southern region that growers do not need to irrigate. Let's contrast that with the most northerly region. In the north, Coquimbo, rainfall is scarce. Irrigation is absolutely necessary for viticulture to happen. And the source of water for irrigation is runoff water 
from the Andes Mountains. But climate change is threatening that source of water since the snowpack is now much lower and therefore levels of runoff are dropping. So irrigation is expensive and unreliable in the north. This is also a concern in the Central Valley. This worry about sourcing water is prompting producers to look south for vineyard land, particularly to the wetter subzones of Itata and Bio Bio. Let's also remember that in Chile, they are subject to the El Nino and La Nina climate phenomena. El Nino years can subject growers to unusually high amounts of rain, and La Nina years can cause drought. But since Chile's general climate is dry and sunny, grapes ripen relatively easily. This also reduces pressure of rot and disease. Chile is also unusual because it is free of phylloxera, so growers do not have to graft their vines. However, some producers do graft because it can be an effective way to protect them from other pests and to curb vine productivity. Lastly, let's look at other terms that can be used on wine labels here. These terms are legally recognized, but have limited meaning. Wines labeled Reserva must have a minimum of 12% alcohol. This increases to 12.5% minimum alcohol for Gran Reserva wines. Any red wines using the Reserva Privada and Gran Reserva terms must also be aged in oak for a minimum of six months. Some producers choose to use these labeling terms to differentiate levels of quality in their portfolio. However, the use of these terms is optional, and other producers choose to indicate varying levels of quality by designing their own labels to show this. Thanks for listening to this episode of Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Italian Wine Academy, offering WSET levels 1, 2, and 3 in English. Visit our website at italianwineacademy.org for more information and sign up today to start your personal adventure in global wine education right here in the heart of Verona. Remember to subscribe and like Italian Wine Podcast and catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods. You can also find our entire back catalog of episodes at italianwinepodcast.com. Ching ching! I'm Joy Livingston, and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love, and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production, and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests, and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.